You may be seated. Well, if you look throughout the Bible, I've noticed that people are constantly waiting on God. David was anointed the king of Israel, and then he had to wait seven years being chased around in the desert by King Saul until Israel recognized him as their king. Um, God told Abraham when he was 75 years old, you are going to be the father of many nations. And then Abraham had to wait 25 years till he was 100 to have that promised son. Moses waited 40 years in the wilderness waiting for God to tell him what the purpose of his life was until God met him at the burning bush. Noah waited 120 years. God said, build me an ark. I'm going to flood the earth. And Noah built the ark and waited 120 years. You come, when you come to see it, people are constantly waiting in the Bible. You come to the New Testament, we meet a man named Simeon, and we find out that he has been waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the Messiah practically his whole life. And after Jesus rose from the dead, it's kind of interesting, he gathered his disciples on the Mount of Olives in the beginning of the book of Acts, and the, the disciples have a question for him. They say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Is it now? Is it now? You're risen from the dead? And what does Jesus say? Wait. He says, uh, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they waited and prayed for 10 days, and, and the day of Pentecost came, and the world was never the same. The church got started in power, but it started with waiting. So the question is, are you waiting on God today? Are you tired of waiting for God? Tim says yes. Thank you for that response. Um, are you waiting for God to send Mr. or Ms. Wright into your life? Don't say that, Tim. <laughs> are, are you waiting for a wayward son or daughter to come to Christ? Are you waiting for your parents to come to Christ? And you've been praying for them for years. Are you waiting for a past wrong? To be made right? Are you tired of waiting for long sermons to be over? <laughs> Take a moment, uh, if you would. I'll just give you a few minutes of, or moments of silence. And just think of, you know, press something in your mind. What is the thing that you've been asking God for and you've been waiting for? Just kind of press that into your mind just a second. A big part of faith in God is learning to wait for the things that you can't, um, can't see. Waiting on God is really a synonym for faith in God. And today I hope to be able to answer, answer these three questions. Why do I have to wait? What is the value of waiting? And what should I do while I'm waiting? Before we go to the Bible for answers to these questions, I want to tell you that this is a very personal uh, message for me. Uh, I've been sitting at the feet of Jesus learning this uh, all summer long. Here's the setting. Uh, most of you know I have three daughters. There they are. Beautiful. Uh, ages 32 to 27, Bethany, Katie, and Christy. Bethany and, and Katie are married and have children. And we knew Bethany was trying to get pregnant again. Um, and that's always been a difficult thing, or has been a difficult thing for her in the past due to some physical reasons. So we had been praying fervently for Bethany to be able to get pregnant. 
And one Monday in April, Gene uh, called me at work and said, Bethany really wants to get, to get together for dinner uh, that night. It was a Monday night, and it seemed a little odd, you know, because we live a distance away. Uh, could be challenging to get together. But Gene and I had the same thought. She must be pregnant. She's going to tell us in person. Great. Um, so we got together in a restaurant, and first thing, she said, Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant. Woo-hoo, you know, powerful answer to prayer, wonderful news. She said, you want to see the ultrasound? Okay, it's cool. So you go to her purse, here's the ultrasound. Um, black and white image. You know, I've looked at these things. What am I looking at? Uh, handed it to Jean. Jean said, oh, that's wonderful, honey. Handed it to me. I'm the engineer, and I like to analyze things. So I'm looking at the picture, and I said, honey, could you, you know, help me know what is it that I'm looking at? And she said, sure, Dad. The baby's where the black dot is. I said, okay. There's three black dots here. Um, which one's the baby? And she said, that's right, Dad. They all are. Triplets. Jean and I had to reach down to the table to grab our jaw and put it back in our, in our face. Um, and we learned about women who are um, carrying triplets. This is a high-risk pregnancy. Uh, a lot of things can go wrong. But each week, um, Bethany would go back to the doctor, and the babies were growing, and everything was going great. Uh, that's a picture from their gender reveal party that they had, uh, two girls and a boy. Uh, however, on July 1st, um, she went to the doctor, and the, the news wasn't so good. She was uh, in labor. She was having contractions. Uh, I won't go into all the details, but things, things were not looking very good. Um, a couple days later, they put her in the hospital. They were trying to figure out how do we stop contractions. She was not even 19 weeks pregnant. Um, those of you who don't know these things, a, a full-term pregnancy, like 40 weeks um, and babies that don't make it even to 22 weeks, they just don't survive. That's never happened. And she's not even at 19 weeks yet. And the doctors, worse, were disagreeing. What should we do? How do we, you know, how do we save this pregnancy? Um, so she was in the hospital waiting for you know, the doctors to figure out how are we going to deal with this situation. Um, and so w- what could we do? We prayed fervently. Uh, we waited helplessly. Um, you know, we could do nothing to help, you know, nothing, nothing you do. We just go to the Lord and say, Lord, save these babies. And these were kind of the dark nights of the soul. I mean, you know, just up at the middle of the night, just pleading with the Lord and saying, God, you know, please save these babies. And trying not to think the worst case scenario, which was, which was really ugly. Um, and one night I was just praying, couldn't sleep, 2.30 in the morning. Uh, and God comforted me with some Bible verses about waiting. Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14, I believe I will look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalm 37, 7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Lamentations 3, 26, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So we were just pleading for the Lord to save the life of these three babies. Um, and I started studying this topic of waiting on the Lord, and it's just, it just everything in the Bible seemed to point out places where God tells us to wait. Um, the good news, as of today, Bethany is 26 weeks pregnant, um, still has a ways to go, but she's still pregnant. And uh, we just really want to thank uh, all of you who have been praying for her uh, and for us. Um, you know, your prayers are being answered in powerful ways, and we're just thankful to all of you for that. 
So first question, why do we have to wait, right? We know that God is good. We know that God is all-powerful. He can answer any prayer in an instant. Nothing stops him from just miraculous answers to prayer. In my life, I've actually seen a few, very few, of those instantaneous things where you pray for someone and bang, you know, they're healed or something happens within that very hour and you say, wow, that's great, God. But that is not the norm of my experience. It's you pray and you wait. You pray some more. You wait. And God is merciful and gracious and answers the prayer, but not in our timing. So the question is, why do we have to wait? And, and answer number one is God's timing is better than our timing. Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. God sees the bigger picture um, about what's going on in my life and the world. He has a plan to make all things beautiful, but in his time. And the thing that's comforting is God is never early and he's never late. We know his timing is perfect, but it's not our timing. We get impatient. We want things right away. Um, there was a time in my career I was really frustrated with my job, and uh, I decided I'd better interview for another job because my job wasn't going well. Um, and I did this interview, and everything looked really good. You know, a, a new organization that's growing, and, uh, you know, everything looks great. And so they, they said, hey, we're going to give you an offer. And I waited for the offer. It took a while to get the offer. Uh, by the time I got the offer, I said, oh, that's great. I got my offer. And it was for a pay cut. And I said, you know, that's not what we had talked about. So I went back to the hiring manager. I said, thanks for the offer, but it's a pay cut. You know, that's not what we talked about. Could you, could you go back and, you know, see what's up with that? And, and he was very apologetic. And, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get that fixed. We'll get that fixed right away. And then again, it took a while. And, uh, um, and finally, an offer came that was uh, not a pay cut. Um, but by the time that had happened, things had really changed. Uh, the organization I was with, the company I was with, things were really starting to turn the corner. Things were doing a lot better. Things were less frustrating. And the company that I was thinking about signing on with um, had hit some real problems. And within two years, that company went out of business. Um, so it was one of those things where if I had just jumped or whatever, uh, I would have missed what God had for me. So we can't see what God sees. His timing is perfect. The second reason we have to wait is something we've been talking about all summer, is spiritual warfare. Uh, this is something that it's hard to grasp, um, that there's an unseen battle when we pray. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Prayer is spiritual warfare. In this passage in Ephesians, we're familiar with it because it's the passage where we put on our spiritual armor and, you know, the breastplate and the, the feet and the, uh, the helmet and the sword. But it's really all about prayer. That, that passage, when you look at it, because it, the passage ends, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. You know, we need to put on spiritual armor when we pray. And why is that? A couple truths. One... Satan is real. And two, Satan hates you if you're a believer in Jesus. He doesn't want you to pray because he knows that that's where power is released. That's where God's power is released uh, to do God's work. 
there's an example in the book of Daniel that's one of those weird examples in the Bible, but it's there. Uh, the prophet Daniel had been fasting and praying fervently for three weeks about a particular thing about the, the nation of Israel. And finally, an angel shows up and answers his prayer. And he says, hey, you know what, um, Daniel, God heard you the first time you prayed, but my response was held up by a demon for the last three weeks. And we finally had a battle in heaven, and, and here's the answer to your prayer. I don't know what that means. That's the weirdest thing you know, in the world to me, but it's real. When you pray, there is spiritual warfare taking place, and somehow that can actually delay the response to your prayer. Well, the third reason we have to wait is because waiting is a test. When God rescued the people of Israel out of uh, slavery in Egypt, he put them uh, on the road to the promised land. You know, if you look at a map, Egypt, Israel, you know, it's a, at best, a couple-week walk. I mean, you know, and that would be a million people, you know, slowly slogging their way. It's not that far. God had promised to give them the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey, um, but for some reason, that two-week walk took 40 years. And you say, how is that possible? God explains it um, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. Because they walked, and they were tested by God, and they failed the test, and they walked some more. They were tested by God, they failed, and they walked some more. Deuteronomy 8, 2 says, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So waiting is a test. And so often we fail the test, right? Um, so God has to teach us some more and allow us to take the test again and again until we, I guess, pass the test. Let me give some examples of that. Example number one, Americans are in a huge amount of debt, credit card debt, car loan debt, college loan debt. And what is debt? Debt is simply buying something that you don't have enough money for, and you don't want to wait until you do, right? Uh, it's no different than our government. Our government is $22 trillion in debt. I don't even know what $22 trillion means anymore. But because of our personal debt and because of our government's debt, we can't pay today for the things we need because we're still paying off the things that we couldn't pay for yesterday because we didn't want to wait. So that's why we have debt. It's because we don't want to wait for God to provide. Example number two, sexual impurity. Um, you know, God invented marital relations, right? I mean, it was his idea. This, this was not uh, something people dreamed up. Uh, but he put boundaries around this. He said it should only be practiced within the covenant relationship of a marriage between a man and a woman. But people don't want to wait on God, right? On God's timing, on that right person at that right time. So what happens? Well, we have diseases. We have unwanted pregnancy. We have people living together outside of marriage, which leads to just terrible rates of ultimately divorce and domestic abuse. Uh, why? Because we don't want to wait on God, for God to give us the right person and the right time. Well, the second question, what is the value in waiting? Okay, so I understand, 
why I have to wait, but what's the value of it? Is there any real value in waiting? Um, as I've studied this, there's many promises in Scripture about waiting. I'm only going to hit two today. The first one is simply that waiting builds character. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we walk by faith and not by sight. In Romans 5, it says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. See, if prayer was like just walking up to a vending machine to get candy out of it, it wouldn't involve faith at all. It's just like, here's my prayer, get my thing, and I'm gone. There's no faith involved in that. Um, But God is more interested in building my character and your character than giving me instant comfort. See, my character and your character is what you're going to take with you into eternity, your soul. And that's what God is transforming little by little. If God answered every one of my prayers instantaneously, I would be a brat, right? Just a spiritual brat. (laughs) Just, come on, God, what's wrong? What's wrong? Um, An immature child doesn't know the difference between no and not yet. We've been taking care of my two-and-a-half-year-old grandson, Isaac, uh, quite a bit recently. Um, He's a great kid, but he's a two-year-old. We sit down for breakfast with him, and um, he is hungry. You know, breakfast is his favorite meal of the day, and he just chows down on breakfast. And we start, we put the food in front of him and say, okay, now we're going to pray. He does not like the concept of prayer, you know, and he kind of throws one of those two-year-old fits because he doesn't want to wait. He wants to eat. See, we're not saying, no, you can't eat. What we're saying is, not yet. Yes, we're going to eat, but not yet. And we do the same thing, don't we? I mean, we pray, and, okay, God, I've been asking you for three days. You haven't answered the the prayer, so I'm moving on. You know, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Uh, I'm going to do my own thing. And ultimately, we we stay as spiritual two-year-olds, right? The second benefit is waiting on the Lord increases my strength. You know, sometimes I struggle to remember that it's good to wait for the Lord. Waiting seems passive. Waiting seems weak. You know, our society says you've got to take initiative. Get on the offensive. But there's a hidden benefit in waiting. See, in times of waiting, my soul is renewed. My strength is Uh, My spirit is strengthened. And there's that familiar passage in Isaiah. Even youths shall faint and be weary. Young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So this passage reminds us that strength, spiritual strength, comes from waiting on the Lord. It comes from the Lord. It's not about our workouts at Planet Fitness. It's strength comes from the Lord as we wait for him. There's an interesting passage in Romans chapter 4. When Abraham was waiting all those years for that promised son, um, Romans 4 tells us, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. So Abraham grew strong in those 25 years as he was getting older and older, waiting for God's promise. And that's what the promise is for us, too, that waiting builds spiritual strength. 
somehow. The third question we want to answer today is, what should we do while we wait, right? When you're sitting in the doctor's office, what do you do? Read a magazine, you know, surf the internet, do something on your phone. There's not much you can do when you're waiting. Uh, When someone puts you on hold on the telephone, what do you do, you know? It's, it's, it's just kind of downtime. But that's not true for God's waiting room. When God puts you in the waiting room, he gives you specific things to do. And the first one is simply to act as if you've already received it. That's called faith. Don't worry. Don't whine. Jesus told his disciples, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. When you pray, you believe that you've received it, even though you haven't. You haven't seen the answer yet. And I've got to admire my daughter, Bethany. When she found out she was having triplets, she started making plans. Um, The doctors told her, this might not go well. You know, all kinds of things can happen. Uh, The babies might not make it. They were very upfront and honest with her. So what did she, she and her husband, Matt, do? They started looking online for a triple stroller. Um, they, they sold their three-bedroom house and bought a bigger house because they were fully expecting these babies were, were coming. They, uh, they actually named the babies and said, these are the names of the babies. We want you to pray for them by name because they believed that these babies would, were going to make their entrance into this world. Um, when we pray, Jesus said, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. But he doesn't say when. So what do we do? You know, what I want to do is say, well, God, I'll just sit back and I'll believe it when I see it. That's not faith. We pray and then we begin preparing for his answer to prayer. For example, are you in God's waiting room for a job, the job that you really want, you feel like you've been waiting for for a long time? What are you doing? Are you laying around the house watching TV, uh, playing Nintendo, God wants you to get up at the same time you would as if you had a job and use that time wisely, uh, serving the kingdom of God, whatever God has for you at that point in time. Are you in God's waiting room for a spouse? Serve the Lord faithfully while you wait and see who God brings along aside of you. I think people often get impatient and say, well, I can't find a spouse, so I'm going to go clubbing. You know, and, and find someone who would make a terrible spouse. Uh, or, you know, the, the online dating thing. There's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes we just get impatient. We've got to go find, go find, go find. And sometimes we have to simply wait for God's best and not settle. The second thing God wants us to do is write down the lessons you're learning. Um, God doesn't have you in the waiting room for no reason at all. He's teaching you the lessons of faith. While Moses and the people of Israel were wandering around the desert for those 40 years, what was Moses doing? What was he doing for 40 years? Well, he was writing the first five books of the Bible, uh, you know, a little thing like that. Uh, Numbers chapter 33, verse 2 says, At the Lord's direction, Moses kept a written record of their progress. When you keep a, a journal of what God is teaching you, it's a way of fixing things in your brain that doesn't happen when you don't just write them down. Um, sometimes they stick in your brain better when you actually make a written record of God's faithfulness in your life. Are you a note taker? Some people are, some people are not. Do you keep a journal? I know it sounds old-fashioned, but I found that if I can write 
what God's teaching me in a journal, it sticks in my mind better. Some of my uh, younger um, colleagues at work kind of laugh at me because I have an engineering notebook. I'm an engineer, you know, and I have my engineering notebook, and I, I fastidiously take notes on all the things that are going on in the program and the test results and things like that. Um, and they say, that's so old-fashioned. But in this fast-paced world, our brains uh, need to slow down sometimes and look at what we're learning. Um, that's how it is with God. God wants us to slow down and say, God, what are you teaching me? And one way to do that is by taking notes, keeping a journal. The third thing that God wants us to do is simply to keep on keeping on while you're waiting. Uh, keep on praying. It's interesting, in, in Matthew 7 that I quoted before, you know, where it says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find. It really says, keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking, keep on knocking. So keep on doing those things even while you're waiting. Keep on serving. Luke 16 says, he was faithful in a little thing, is faithful also in much. God wants you to be faithful in the little things he's given to you so that eventually he will give you that big thing that you're asking for. Keep on with Christian community while you're waiting. Uh, we've talked about our community groups. Christian community is so important uh, during these times. Hebrews 10 Verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one, one another every day. So that, that value of waiting, but not by yourself, but in, in a community of other believers is so important. And then keep on being confident. Uh, that same chapter of Hebrews, verse 35 says, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. So while you're waiting, it's so easy to say, this will never happen, this is not going to happen, I'm tired of praying. And God says, don't throw away your confidence. Continue, keep on being confident. And finally, what to do while you're waiting is to trust God and don't panic. When God doesn't seem to be coming through for us, our reaction is to panic. We say, Lord, I waited, you didn't come through, so I had to take matters into my own hands. I mean, we all do that. We just, what, what alternative do I have? I have to do it myself because, God, you're not coming through for me. Um, Galatians 6, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. A negative example we see in the Bible is our friend King Saul. Um, you know, Saul was supposed to go and fight the Philistines. You probably remember the story. Um, and the tradition that is that a prophet would come and, and give a, a sacrifice before the battle would start with the uh, nation of Israel. Um, so Saul was ready to fight. He had his army. He was all lined up, ready to go. And he called for Samuel, the prophet, to come and give the traditional sacrifice. And Samuel was nowhere to be found. And Saul waited seven days to his credit um, but after seven days, his army started to desert him, and the Philistines were getting ready for battle. And, and finally, Saul just said, that's it. I can't wait any longer. So Saul, the king, offered the sacrifice. Kings weren't allowed to offer sacrifices. And of course, as soon as he did that, who shows up? Samuel. And Samuel says, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But instead, God gave the kingdom to David. So the opposite of waiting for the Lord is to give up on him and take matters into your own hands. And I've learned 
that that does not go well. It doesn't, you know. And waiting is hard, and it just seems like God will never come through. But God says, keep on waiting. So let me give you a final thought. Sometimes God is waiting because he is waiting on us. He is waiting on you. Maybe God is patiently waiting for you to give your life to him. Maybe God is waiting for you to trust him in ways that which you've never been able to trust him in the past. After centuries of waiting, God sent his son into the world for sinners like you and me. God could have ended history at any point in time, and it would have been the end. But God is patient. He is waiting for you. So even though we get tired of waiting, God waits for us. 2 Peter chapter 3 says, Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill a promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. If you haven't given your life to Jesus yet, what are you waiting for? God is waiting for you, but he will not wait forever. So I told you that God's been teaching me, my family, a lot about waiting. Um, And what I've learned is that I'm only starting to learn how to wait. I've been learning how impatient I can be. Um, As I said, Bethany is still pregnant. um, and We believe God has been powerfully answering prayers and that he will continue to. But, you know, pregnancy is actually a pretty good analogy for the walk of faith. You believe a baby's coming. What do you do? You prepare a nursery. You buy baby clothes, diapers. Um, You act as if you're going to hold a baby, even though there's no guarantee that you're really going to do that. And there's the waiting. In the meantime, you keep on keeping on. You don't panic. And the walk of faith, it's trusting God for today. You don't know what tomorrow brings, but you trust God for today. Tomorrow is God's responsibility, but today is your responsibility, my responsibility. So while we wait, we keep on serving God. While we wait, we keep on worshiping God. So I asked a question before, what are you waiting for? Ultimately, we're waiting, we're all waiting for the return of Jesus Christ so we can see him face to face. We're all waiting for him to come and make all wrong things right, to transform this broken world into a new creation. That's a promise of God, and we're waiting. We're asking, come, Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But that's the life of faith. It's a life of waiting. Let me close with this verse, and the worship team can start making their way forward. Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we have a great hope, and that hope is in Jesus Christ, Lord. We thank you, Father, that We know that we are not waiting in vain for something that's never going to happen. But your promises are true. You are a faithful God. You are strong and almighty. And you are good, Lord. So as we wait, Lord, as we tire of waiting, Lord, I pray you would give us strength 
to continue to trust you even in the hard times, Lord. I pray, Father, that you minister to each of my brothers and sisters today that as we struggle with uh, the, un- the lack of uh, connection between what we want, what we believe, and what we see, I pray, Father, that you would build us up in our faith. Help us to trust you more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.